If you own sunglasses, you know, scratches happen. That's why with Revan Optics, you can replace your lenses and save your sunglasses. Revan Optics offers high-quality polarized, non-polarized, and prescription replacement lenses for any brand. Starting at just $24 a pair, they're crystal clear, guaranteed to fit, and backed by a one-year warranty. Go to RevanOptics.com slash MLB. That's capital R-E-V-A-N-T, capital O-P-T-I-C-S dot com slash MLB today and get 20% off your first pair of lenses with offer code MLB. Make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons, Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own maester, Jason Concepcion, are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They'll be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. Hello and welcome to the Ringer MLB show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Michael Bauman. I'm a staff writer at TheRinger.com and I'm joined this week by nobody whatsoever. So Ben is currently hurtling through the air somewhere between Kansas and New York City at 35,000 feet above the earth. And uh, if this had come at a different point in the year, this would have been a great opportunity for me to do our first all-college baseball podcast. But unfortunately, with the college season over, uh, we've got to stick to the professional ranks. So that's what we're going to do with a couple of hard-hitting guests. Uh, Later on, I'll be talking to Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs about uh, Mets shortstop Ahmed Rosario and a couple of the other late-season call-ups or potential late-season call-ups that you could see across baseball now that the trade deadline is sort of shaking everybody's uh, 20 fan, 25 man roster loose. Uh, but first we're going to talk to Jake Kaplan, who's the Astros beat for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, we talked a lot about the Dodgers on Monday because of the U Darvish trade and rightly so, but they're not the only team that's way out in front of the pack in, in their own league. And, uh, unlike the Dodgers, the Astros stood pat. So we're going to talk about their inactivity at the deadline. We're going to talk about the whereabouts of Carlos Beltran's glove. We're going to talk about Jake's weekend in Cooperstown, New York, uh, as he attended Jeff Bagwell's Hall of Fame induction. So uh, we'll be right back after this with Jake Kaplan. Let's bring on Jake Kaplan. He is the Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. And uh, in our lineup of heavy hitters, here's a man who knows a thing or two about some heavy hitters. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing well. How are you? All right. So let's start off with you were in Cooperstown this past weekend uh, with Jeff Bagwell with his induction in the Hall of Fame. So what was that, that scene like? You know, it was a pretty cool experience. I, I've never covered an induction before. I hadn't been to Cooperstown since I was a kid, so it was cool from that uh, perspective just to go back to such a cool uh, place. Um, you know, there was a. I was impressed by you know the fan turnout uh, from from all three or all five teams really for the five inductees, but uh, especially the Astros fans who you know they, this is only their second one of these, and uh, they they turned up in, in droves. Um, but it was a cool. Um, you know, experience, uh, the parade on the, the Saturday night, uh, just seeing all the hall of famers ride through Cooperstown was, was, uh, pretty cool. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's a long day sitting out there in the, uh, in the sun on the induction day. 
Um, and my one complaint would probably be, I don't really understand why they do this on trade deadline weekend, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems to seems you know, every, every time I tweeted about something that was, uh, hall of fame weekend related, people were just like, Hey, well, what are the Astros doing with the, on the trade front? So, you know, it seems to, you know, take away from the attention it gets, um, which I don't really understand the thinking behind that. But other than that, it was a, it was a really uh, fun experience to cover. Let's talk about the trade deadline, and I know Dallas Keuchel is uh, more than disappointed. Disappointment would be an understatement, I think was his exact quote, that the the Astros only added Francisco Liriano at the deadline. So, I mean, there's five or six questions in there. So let's start with, do you know if they were close on on anybody else? Like, what you know, how were they in on Gray? Were they, you know, in on Zach Britton toward the end? I think they were in on everybody. I think if there was an available starter who they considered an upgrade to either their four-man postseason rotation or their bullpen, they were in on them. How in is the, is the big question. Uh, I think toward the last few days, it was more focused on the relievers, uh, whether that's Justin Wilson or Zach Britton. Um, you know, I think Zach Britton was, was definitely, they were in, in negotiations there. Um, but, I, you know, from, from everything I heard, and, and obviously they didn't get something done, is, is their offer was light. Um, too light to get something done. And uh, it all really comes back to their reluctance to part with these top prospects, which, uh, you know, that, that's kind of been a thing the last two trade deadlines. You know, uh, they have, despite all the, the young talent they have at the major league level, they still have a really good farm system. Um, but they seem to me kind of uh, more intent on being good for a long time, relevant, consistent on a year-in, year-out basis than going all in on one year. Like, you know, I don't think you'd ever see them do what the Cubs did last year, which, um, you know, that's probably the reason Dallas Keuchel is upset. Uh, so, you know, he's only under contract for one more year after this year. This might be his best chance to win. Um, you know, we, we might look back years from now and this might be the best Astros team under this core. So, uh, you know, it's surprising for sure that they didn't get something done i wouldn't say it was shocking just because of what we know about how how much they love their prospects yeah i wonder if they're also as sort of a process very process oriented front office they're afraid to to make a bad deal like you know the cubs with with the world is and they went out and got their guy and they overpaid for him and you know he played a part in them winning the world series and i, I wonder if jeff luna is just sort of not constituted to make that kind of deal for, you know, to realize that this is the the moment and this is where you save up all your prospects for and get, you know, get the guy no matter the cost. I think that's fair. I think I, you've heard, even on, on uh, deadline day, he referenced the, the trades from two years ago at the deadline that didn't work out for them. You know, the guys that they would love to have now, especially, you know, Josh Hader would, would look good in a bullpen that needs a left-handed reliever. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think the, the negative experiences he's had two years ago play a part in their thinking the last two years. Um, but at the same time, they've, they've, it's not like they haven't traded prospects. They traded Albert Abreu and uh, Jorge Guzman for um, Brian McCann in the offseason. That turned out well. So it's, you know, it's, it's down the road. Who knows? But uh, they've, they've done it before. It's just, you know, for whatever reason, the July market the last two years, they haven't been willing to do it. They're fine. I mean, they're better than fine. They're absolutely going to win that division. They're going to be the favorite in the American League, even only adding Liriano. But you know, you mentioned the the four man playoff rotation. How do you, so that shakes out? Um, Keuchel, McCullers, if and when he comes back healthy, and then Morton and Peacock, or you know, how does how do you think that 
they're going to set that up. I think if, if healthy Morton's the lock, um, and I think the fourth would be between whoever's pitching best among Colin McHugh, Mike Fires, Brad Peacock. I, th- I think ultimately Brad Peacock ends up in the bullpen. I think he could kind of act like a, a second Chris Davinsky type who can come in and give you multiple innings, especially if, if you're getting a short start. Um, you know, he could bridge the gap to the, to the back end. But, you know, they're relying right now on, on a lot of things to break their way health-wise. Uh, and, and performance-wise, I mean, Lance McCullers was since the All-Star break has not pitched well. Um, you know, his ERA is up up near four now. So uh, their their eggs they have a lot of eggs in the health basket. It seems like, and uh, you know, that was one reason I think most argued that they should have traded for a starter. They do have some depth to to deal from, and you look at the the bullpen. If they move Peacock to the bullpen for the playoffs, you got Giles, Davinsky, Peacock, Will Harris. You know, assuming his health as well, and you know that's. Weirdly, I was a lot more fine with the Astros standing pat before the Dodgers went out and traded for Darvish. Like seeing the other team that was so far ahead of the pack go and take yet another step sort of made this made the Astros standing still a little bit more conspicuous. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, and even even aside from the Darvish trade, they they added two relievers. You know, say what you will about those guys and how they've performed, but um, you know, I, I think. Bullpen depth is definitely a question mark. Their bullpen ERA has gone up every month of the season. It was almost, I think it was over six in July. A lot of that is, you know, the lower leverage guys soaking up innings that won't be pitching in the playoffs, won't even be on a playoff roster. But, um, you know, it's still alarming. And I think Will Harris is, is an X factor. I mean, he's, he's kind of under the radar, but he's a really good reliever. And uh, if, if he's out, that's a big deal. Uh, and he hasn't pitched since before the All-Star break. So since I think July 4th or so. So, um, they definitely need to get him healthy for October, but uh, no, their bullpen. If, if if those guys are all healthy, they're good. Um, but I think they could have used for sure another like a Justin Wilson type or or Zach Britton. Um, they 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 still, you know, they need Liriano to work out for that left-handed uh, reliever. They don't really have a, a left matchup lefty at all right now. This aside from Liriano, who is a starter by trade. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that that feels like their one weakness. And, you know, if if you're going to have a weakness, not having a, a enough uh, reliable left-handed relievers is, you know, that's a pretty good biggest weakness to have. But, you know, that, I mean, that could become an issue if they, you know, run into the right people in the playoffs. I mean, th- this is a very right-handed heavy bullpen. And, you know, look at someone, you know, Davinsky can get out lefties with this changeup, but he's not a matchup guy. He's not the guy you bring into. Right, and same with Will Harris. Yeah, they yeah. both they both are good against lefties, but you know you need them for the other spots in the game. So let's look at the lineup. I mean, this team goes like ten or eleven deep in terms of quality big league hitters, and they're in a good position to weather a couple of, of absences. So, do you have any more news on Carlos Correa? Is he still on track to come back? Sort of early September, and what's the the deal with George Springer, who just went on the DL with a quad injury. Yeah, I think Correa looking at like early to mid September. I mean, there's not going to be much of a rush. I think um, you know as long as he gets to see some live pitching before the playoffs, that's all that really matters. Uh, and and they're, they ensure that he's you know 100. Um, so he just started doing like agility workouts. So there, there's nothing. He's not close, so to speak. Um, George Springer should be back soon. I mean, the original thought was he'd be back this weekend. Uh, Seems, you know, in question whether he'll be back the first day he's eligible, which is Friday. But um, again, you know, with Derek Fisher coming in, with Josh Reddick and Jake Marisnik hitting, I mean, 
and they're, they're huge division leaders, there's not much urgency to, to push these guys. They can kind of take their time, make sure they're a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, like you said, their lineup is still really deep. Um, you know, the, they're still going to, they're just be, by their offense alone, they're still going to be a, you know, a force to be reckoned with. But um, yeah, I, I think their pitching is still uh, is, is the big question. So since this team got good again in 2015, there's, there was this undercurrent when they started to swoon in the second half of 2015, they made the playoffs anyway, obviously. And then again, in 2016, there was a, I don't know how seriously we were supposed to take this, but it was very like concerned trolley. They need leadership. This team is too young. It hasn't been there before. And then this offseason, they went out and got Beltron and Reddick and Brian McCann. You know, you talk about guys who have seen things. You know, those three guys are are huge veteran presences, as, as well as guys like Keichel and Correa have, have been there now. They've done that. So is there a difference in, I guess, the mentality of the clubhouse from this year to or compared to last year? Yeah, I think so, but I think I also think the leadership thing was a little overblown. Um, Jose Altuve is a leader. Uh, George Springer is a leader. I think they've grown into more leaders this year under those guys. Um, but I, I do think it was important they added some veterans to, to fill out their lineup. Um, they weren't just going to get veterans because they're veterans. They wanted guys who would produce. Right. And, all three, all three of those um, guys have hit well from the left side, which I think is more important. No matter you know, no matter what they bring to the clubhouse. Yeah, they were extremely right-handed heavy last year. I mean, uh, they didn't have, like, any lefties that would... I mean, Valbuena was good when he was healthy, but he wasn't healthy, and, and Rasmus was terrible. So they, they really didn't have any left-handed presence last year. And you're right, Beltron sit well from the left side in the can. Reddick's been, you know, amid a career year, kind of quietly. Um, but, yeah, I think it, I think those guys have, have especially Beltron and, and McCann, have, have uh, kind of helped out from a leadership standpoint uh, in the clubhouse. You see them... Um, you know, taking the guys under their wing and, you know, especially Beltron with, you know, he knows pitchers as well as anyone. He can help, you know, spot things during a game, before a game. On the road, there's some road clubhouses where there's the the video, uh, the computers with the video are, are in the site of the, where we're allowed to go as reporters. And, you, you know, Beltron's always over there with one of the young players watching video together and picking stuff out. So uh, it's hard to quantify how much that stuff uh you know, the value of that stuff, but they've definitely uh, helped in that respect. This is sort of a weird question, but Houston is, is a very strange sports town and this team is still sort of coming back. It's like, it's very football heavy and it's one of those places where if the baseball team's doing well, then people come out, but the Astros are still sort of clawing back from the, time where they were losing 110 games a year and there were 4,000 people going to the going to the games and they're you know they were drawing a literally 0.0 rating on local tv you know are they are they back like what's the you know you you covered the the Phillies at the end of of their run too and you know that's it's sort of a similar situation in that like the team has to be good in order to to get a lot of public support so how are things sort of around the team you know within the community you definitely see a lot more, and you could speak to this too, you see a lot more Astros hats and Astros shirts, you know, at the airport or, you know, at the grocery store or whatever. I still think they, they lost a lot of fans that they're still trying to get back. Uh, you know, their attendance on weekends has been really good. It's going to be interesting to see what it looks like once, you know, school gets back underway. And in September, they probably don't have much, you know, there's, there's not much at stake. They're going to win their division. There's not much intrigue in terms of game to game um stakes so it'll be interesting to see how they how they draw in september um but yeah i mean when you lose 100 plus games for for three straight years 
90 plus another year, I think you lose a lot of people. Um, and, and they've definitely, this year has gone a long way into bringing some of them back, but I think there's still kind of more work to be done there in, uh, in terms of Houston overall. It's definitely a football city. Um, you know, I'm sure the minute the trade deadline passed, they didn't do anything. People were, all right, what are the Texans up to in training camp? So, um, you know, and then the Rockets are, are really competitive too. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, competition for the Astros, but in that respect, but I, I think they're this year, obviously with a team on pace, set a franchise record and wins will, will help in that regard. This is the, the culmination of their rebuild and I'm not like pro tanky, but I think it's okay. But I think if it's a big market team like the Astros or like what the White Sox are doing or the Padres or the Phillies right now, then if you go in the tank, then you owe it to your fans to invest in the team financially. And the Astros are still, you know, for a big market team, they're still running sort of a, a middling payroll. And, you know, this, when we had Jeff Blum on the the podcast, one of the questions I was interested to ask him was, you know, if you've got $50 million a year to, to add to that payroll, where do you spend it? Cause you know, last year's free agent market was kind of weak and, and they did spend on Reddick and they spend in the international market on Guriel. But, you know, where do you invest that? Do you, who do you extend? Which free agent, would you would you think about chasing in the the medium term if this is a team that can spend 190 million dollars on payroll every year as long as they're competitive? Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's, it's I think they're. I expect their payroll to go up every year, like it has, but I don't think it's going to go up a crazy amount every year. Um, you know, they're only going to lose in terms of free agents after this season. Beltron, who's 16 million, and Gregerson, who's I think around six or six and a half. Um, you know, and, and they do have to look at you know how they're going to lock up or try to lock up, you know, all their young stars. Uh, Keiko will be entering a walk here next year. Uh, Altuve the year after that, um, you know, and then Springer the year after that. So, you know, that's, that's definitely on the radar and they have to start, you know, uh, I mean, they already have that in mind, obviously, but um, yeah, in terms of free agents, I haven't really looked at who's, who's going to be available that much. I mean, um, you, you ultimately look towards starting pitching and relief pitching, given what their, their weaknesses mm-hmm. are. But, um, you know, they didn't do that. I mean, aside from signing Charlie Morton, they didn't really do that much in that respect last year. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the numbers. I don't know if this is a question, but they're, they're leading the American league in home runs. They've struck out the fewest times they have it as a team, a 136 OPS uh, and number two in the American league is Tampa Bay at 106. So I, you know, that's part of partially, I just bring that up to say, wow, that's incredible. But you know, how, yeah. how do you think that, that AJ Hinch is going to wind up, um, you know, tr- getting all these bats in the lineup because he's good at getting everybody sort of involved. Everybody, you know, the the twelve or thirteen position players he's got on the roster at a time. But you know, who are the the nine guys who are going to make the lineup when it comes down to the division series, or is he going to continue to play matchups? Matchups, I, I think for sure. I mean, he's since he became Astros manager three years ago, I think he's used more lineups than any other manager. Um, you know, he's he's a matchup guy. He's a different lineup every day really and you know mm-hmm. it's uh, for for that reason you know when when they switch guys around i don't really make a big deal out of it like in in my stories you know they altuve will bat first second third uh reddick will bat first second third you know they'll throw Derek fisher at the top of the lineup so it's it's just all over the place depending on that day's matchup so you know i think it would be solely based on matchups you know uh, you know if they're facing chris sale they'll probably go right-handed heavy if they're facing uh, Corey Kluber, they'll, you know, they've actually hit him well, so they'll probably go with what's worked in the past. So, um, yeah, but to add to your, 
your wow statement. I mean, if you look at slugging too, I think they're slugging over 500 as a team. And I think the, the major league record over a full season is 493 by the 03 Red Sox or, or somewhere in that, that range. So they're on pace to break that record. Um, and just OPS, OPS plus, but it's, it's one of the best offenses in, in decades, really. Yeah. Jose Altuve, I just looked this up, hit 485, 523, 727 in August. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is one of those teams, I guess there, there, aren't that, there aren't that many questions left. It's just, you know, nothing you can do but, but marvel at the lineup. One last one. Have they dug up Carlos Beltran's glove since he's playing the outfield a little right now? <laughs> he had another glove. So whether they did or not, he was still able to play the outfield. Did they actually get rid of after that? Like, they actually like got rid of one of his gloves. I don't. Think I thought so. that was I like an empty shoebox. Okay. Yeah, they put it in a shoebox, and then you know I saw like a ballpark attendant or grounds crew guy walk away with the shoebox toward the Astros uh, clubhouse side. So I'm sure it's somewhere. Uh, I should probably investigate that though. Okay. Jake Kaplan of the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake M Kaplan. Uh, I'll see you around the ballpark. And thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. See you at the park. We'll be right back with Eric Loggenhagen after a word from our sponsors. The Rigger MLB Show is brought to you by Revan Optics. Do you have a pair of sunglasses with scratch lenses? You can either throw them into a junk drawer, or you might still be wearing them, still squinting through the scratches. Thanks to Revan Optics, you no longer have to live with those scratches or keep buying pair after pair of new sunglasses. Instead, you can save your sunglasses and replace your lenses with high-quality polarized, non-polarized, and prescription replacement lenses available for any brand on the market. Starting at just $24 a pair, Revan Optics lenses are a fraction of the price of brand name sunglasses. And because they test their lenses to ensure razor sharp quality, they're a much better option than cheap gas station shades. Revit lenses are easy to install, guaranteed to fit, and backed by a one year warranty. If you can't find your sunglasses listed on their website, Revit Optics can cut custom lenses for you at their lab in Portland, Oregon. Join more than half a million customers and try them risk free with their 60 day money back guarantee. And you can enjoy free shipping and returns in the US. You can also get 20% off your first order when you use offer code MLB. Go to revanoptics.com slash MLB. That's capital R-E-V-A-N-T, capital O-P-T-I-C-S dot com slash MLB. Revanoptics.com. Replace your lenses, save your sunglasses. Today's show is also brought to you by the Showtime original series, Ray Donovan, starring Liev Schreiber, John Voight, and special guest star Susan Sarandon. When the Hollywood elite need a problem to disappear, there's only one guy for the job. Ray Donovan can bury any secret and solve any problem and do it without breaking a sweat. Damage control is no problem for Ray, and keeping up with the chaos is no problem for you. You can stream and catch up before the new season starts by downloading the Showtime app and starting your free trial. And don't miss new episodes of Ray Donovan every Sunday at 9 p.m only on showtime so our next guest is uh, a favorite of mine he's the lead prospect analyst as they say at fangraphs uh he is eric longenhagen how you doing i'm well i'm recovering how are you michael all right. So the reason I wanted to have you on is after the trade deadline, after all the, you know, the roster crap gets moved around, the teams that are rebuilding actually start rebuilding and call up a couple of their big prospects. And we've seen a few of those this week. So I wanted to uh, have you on so everybody could figure out, you know, for instance, who the hell Ahmed Rosario is. So who is he? <laughs> what, what do we need to know about him? Sure. Yeah. Uh, 
Ahmed Rosario is a Mets shortstop prospect who uh, has one of the best prospects in all of minor league baseball. He was sort of one of these guys who, when you see him at 16, 17, 18 years old, has more baseball polish than he does physical ability. He was someone who, as a young player, was was very athletic and clearly had uh, this sort of supernatural baseball acumen, but was just this stringy six foot one, six foot two kid. And as he's grown into his body, uh, everything has become more explosive. And now, you know, he's arguably the best prospect in baseball right now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Mets obviously. It's been sort of a disaster at shortstop this year, especially on the defensive end. And while there have been some problems uh, that have that were not necessarily on-field related that have prevented Rosario from coming up to this point, I, like, I've heard there are some problems in that Las Vegas clubhouse in general at AAA for the Mets. Um, not necessarily Rosario-specific, uh, but there just have been. But, uh, but now he's up, and uh, there might be some... Some a bit of a learning curve, but he's a potential superstar who performs offensively, uh, maybe not unlike that Carlos Correa, Corey Seager level offensively, uh, and is just like a defensive wizard as well and does some some really incredible things. I'm very excited to watch him. Yeah, and you bring up Correa and Seager, and a lot of the middle infield prospects come that we'd expect to see in the the next few weeks. And between him and Ozzy Albies, who just came up with the Braves, and J.P. Crawford is probably not that far from coming up with the Phillies. Like these are not Cal Ripken type shortstops. The the way that Correa and Seager kind of are, they're more traditional shortstops. So was that just a a blip or? You know, or, or, did we just go through like a, a two or three year span where all the shortstops were six foot five and 220 pounds and then we're sort of going back to normal or, you know, are these guys sort of um, uh, a return to or, or are these guys sort of bucking the trend? That's a really good question. I think that certain teams have certain opinions about what sort of defense they accept at shortstop, what sort of body they think can play an acceptable shortstop. Uh, and other orgs have have different opinions about that. A lot of it depends heavily on what teams think they can get away with uh, because of batted ball data and the way it's impacting how they position their infielders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just happening at shortstop. It's happening at second base, too. Uh, Ian Happ with the Cubs is, is someone you and I have been interested in since he was in college at Cincinnati. And he doesn't really have a consensus fit defensively when you talk to scouts, but analysts are more willing to stick him at second base because they think they can hide what is probably a defensive deficiency at second base because of how they can position him. And I think we're starting to see the same thing at shortstop. I think if you look at what Oakland is doing defensively, it's like the far extreme of the team that's trying to get away with everything they can uh, with their infielders by positioning them well, it's not really working out. Tampa Bay has what I would consider um, for the last half decade or so until the Hecheveria acquisition, like subpar defenders at, at shortstop. So I don't know where we're going, but it does seem like we might be evolving as, a, as, as an industry about what we consider a viable defensive shortstop and yeah it might be these huge guys who also hit 25 home runs 
but uh, but yeah, I'm it's I'm I'm just not sure. Let's move over to third base and Rafael Devers, who's come up. What do you make of what he's done with the Red Sox through the first week or so of his major league career? I when I wrote him up in the off season, I had a hard time. You know, you get asked to put ETAs on when these guys are going to reach the majors. And a lot of it has nothing to do with the player himself. Like Mike Trout's the best player of this generation, and it took a Vernon Wells injury to get him up. Mm-hmm. So with Devers, you know, when I was considering that, I kind of thought it would be another couple of years. I think I put a 2019 ETA on him because while he was and is incredibly gifted, it's elite bat speed, power. He's more athletic than uh, his size would indicate, although I do think that there's work that needs to be done on the defensive end. And I think there's some risk that as he ages into his uh, mid to late 20s, he might move to first base. Uh, but like as an offensive prospect, the talent is unbelievable. There's just some unique, violent aspects to his swing that I thought might be exploited at double A and at triple A. And it turns out that he's just this freak who can do it anyway, and even if at times it doesn't look like it's fundamentally sound, or it looks like there's something there that that pitching should be able to, uh, that advanced pitching should be able to exploit and take advantage of, uh, it just hasn't mattered so far. So, um, you know, what he's, I think he's he's hit a couple of homers and is and is hitting pretty well in his first like week and a half up. Um, it's. He's just sort of someone who's exceeded my expectations this year, and so I I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to do that. We're going to close by, I'm going to ask you a bunch of those ETA questions about guys who are in the high minors who are on or near the top of prospect leaderboards who, you know, in your view, are they ready, and do you think we're going to see him? So let's start with Walker Bueller, the right-handed pitching prospect for the Dodgers. I think they've manicured Bueller's innings in a way this year that has certainly placed a priority on him getting to the big leagues this season. I think they've been talking they've been talking about him being in the big leagues this year since last winter and I think it's going to happen. I'd say uh probably before the end of August. You think he makes a playoff roster? I think that's specifically why they would try to get him up before the end of August because they want to have a look. I mean, every time every time this guy pitches, I hear the same thing. 97 to 99 plus curveball. He's got this hard cutter slider thing in like the upper 80s, low 90s. He's vicious. And they, he hasn't had any injury issues this year. This is why he was lower on prospect lists, you know, or why you hadn't heard about him for a while. He was sort of dinged up at Vanderbilt and then had Tommy John and was just sort of gone and came back throwing harder than he ever had before. And since then, it's 97-99 every time out with a plus curve ball. That stuff plays right now in a big league bullpen. Brent Honeywell, right-handed pitching prospect, Tampa Bay. Honeywell's not on their 40-man, right? So... It depends how much other flexibility they have to be able to to add him. I think ultimately, whether or not he comes up is going to be dictated by how well Tampa keeps pace with the Yankees and Red Sox over the next couple weeks. They're certainly not going to make a roster move and add Honeywell to the 40-man and then bring him all the way up and start that service clock unless they think he is going to make a difference. I hope they do it. I picked Tampa to win that division at the beginning of the year because I'd like their pitching depth and Honeywell's part of that. Um, But I think that's going to be more dictated by that situation. So I'd say it's probably, you know, I think it's a 33% chance that as we get into August, that Tampa feels comfortable with, uh, with making that move. 
And like I said, I think it's going to take, I think they're going to have to think they have a shot. And I, I think they do right now. Um, mm. But like Austin Pruitt is starting tonight against Houston for a reason. And it's, you know, it's because it's, it's a conservative club in this regard. I think the most interesting guy is also not on the 40 man. And that's Francisco Mejia of Cleveland, who almost got traded, I believe for Jonathan Lucroy last year before that, that deal fell apart. And he's the guy who had the 40, you know, the 40 game hitting streak, but he's also not on the 40 man. You know, this is a position of need for, for Cleveland. So what do you think about his readiness? You know, even if, if the Indians might not be so eager to call him up and start that clock. Yeah, that's really interesting. I watched like Jan Gomes struggle to catch uh, mislocated velocity yesterday, and I was just like wondering when Francisco Mejia might come up. Um, I know Cleveland prioritizes scouting on the margins at AAA. I wonder if they'd prioritize that if they were able to find someone that they liked. I also know people who like I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Is it it's Eric Hase or Haas? It's H-A-A-S-E, uh, um, catcher in their farm system. They're, they're scouts who like him as well. I mean, he has got more talent than any other catching prospect in the minor leagues right now. He's got a plus-plus arm. He has He's another guy like Devers where it doesn't always look pretty, but he that bat finds the ball. Uh, so there are physical tools there that are that I think could compete in the big leagues right now. Uh, the receiving is a little rough at times and that's not a thing you want to be dealing with in the middle of the playoff race. So I think they'd probably consider other options, but I think you're getting to the point where, uh, there might not be one. So again, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that they might look elsewhere, but, um, it, it is sort of interesting to think about Mejia coming up in the middle of in the middle of the playoff race. Yeah. All right. Well, we're out of time, so we're going to let you go. You can follow Eric's work on Twitter at Longenhagen. You can read him at Fangraphs. You can listen to him on Fangraphs Audio, and it's always a pleasure having you on. Thanks. Bye-bye. So that'll do it for this edition of the Ringer MLB Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining us. Ben will be back on Monday, so you can look for us then. Don't let scratches be the end of your sunglasses. Save your sunglasses and replace your lenses with Revan Optics. Revan Optics offers high-quality replacement lenses for any brand starting at just $24. With over 500,000 customers worldwide and an average rating of 99.7%, Revan Optics guarantees incredible clarity and a perfect fit or your money back. Get 20% off your first order with code MLB at RevanOptics.com slash MLB. That's capital R-E-V-A-N-T, capital O-P-T-I-C-S dot com slash MLB. Today's show is brought to you by the Showtime original series Ray Donovan, starring Liev Schreiber, John Voight, and special guest star Susan Sarandon. When the Hollywood elite need a problem to disappear, there's only one guy for the job. Ray Donovan can bury any secret and solve any problem without breaking a sweat. Damage control is no problem for Ray, and keeping up with the chaos is no problem for you. Ray Donovan returns Sundays at 9, only on Showtime. Download the Showtime app and start your free trial now.